welcome to the Liturgical Lowdown for the month of December. I am your host, Lisa Cotter, and in this episode, I'll be giving you insights, histories, and ideas on how to celebrate and integrate the liturgical life of the Catholic Church into your own life this month. If this is your first time listening in on a liturgical lowdown, scroll back to season four, episode four, how to liturgical living, and give it a listen to get the most out of this episode. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Happy December, everybody. Lisa here for another liturgical lowdown. Now, normally I don't have a co-host for these, but today I do, but I'm hoping he's going to be very quiet. It's my baby. My baby Isaac was born one week ago today, but it's almost December, so I got to get the lowdown out. So he is sitting here with me sleeping, and we're just going to see how this goes, see if he'll stay quiet. All right, so month of December, liturgical lowdown. Let's start with the monthly devotion, like we always do. So this month's monthly devotion is to the Immaculate Conception. Now what's interesting here is you'll also see people say that the dedication for this month, or the devotion for this month, is to the divine infancy. I did as much research as I could on this and could not really figure out why there are two kind of two devotions that stake claim. So I thought we would talk about Immaculate Conception. That's one I've always seen. Um, But Divine Infancy, you know, baby Jesus. So I figure with it being Advent in the month of December as well, we will, you know, probably naturally be meditating upon baby Jesus. So I thought I'd talk a little bit more about Immaculate Conception. So this particular uh, solemnity for the Immaculate Conception is on December 8th. So we're, we're thinking about it all month long in the church, but the special day to honor and celebrate on the liturgical calendar is technically December 8th. And this solemnity, it can be a little bit confusing because um, when you look at it, you're like, oh, Immaculate Conception, that must be when Jesus was conceived. But that's actually not what we're celebrating. What we are celebrating is Mary's conception. So if you think about it, mathematically, it wouldn't make sense to celebrate the conception of Jesus on December 8th, and then he's born like two weeks later, three weeks later. doesn't really make sense. So actually, we celebrate Jesus's conception on March 25th, which is a neat, nice, exactly nine months before Christmas. That's when we celebrate um, the Annunciation, which is when Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is the conception of Mary that we're talking about. And Why? This is something that I think can easily be hung up on. So why, why was Mary immaculately, immaculately conceived? Well, from the beginning of her conception, she was filled with grace inside of her mother's womb, her mother being Saint Anne. And this is noted by the angel Gabriel. When he greets Mary at the Annunciation, he says, Hail, full of grace. Now, in Greek, this full of grace is kekaritomine, or something very close to that pronunciation-wise. And it is the past perfect principle. So it means that it's an action that has been and continues to be. So basically, it's translated like, Hail, you who have been and continue to be graced. So from the beginning of her conception, the angel Gabriel here notes Mary's grace um, and the fact that grace has been poured upon her and this grace 
um, makes her then without sin, which makes her then a fitting dwelling place for Christ to be conceived and to begin his first nine months of life. So the Gandhi mystery of the church, I mean, we're constantly understanding this in a, in a deeper level as time goes on. And this um, happens with the Immaculate Conception. Um, and we see this kind of 150 years ago when we see in France, Our Lady of Lords appears to St. Bernadette and St. Bernadette asks her, what is her name? And she says, I am the Immaculate Conception. So that's how Mary identifies herself. And for the church, that was kind of a puzzling thing because they had been um, trying to understand, well, what is the nature of Mary's conception? And here this uneducated shepherdess says, well, I don't know who I'm talking to, but she's the Immaculate Conception. And so they know, oh, that's Mary, but that's not a doctrine that had been fully fleshed out. So it's not to say that we didn't know before that Mary was immaculately conceived or that like we created this doctrine. It's just that as time goes on, the church begins to more fully understand the the fullness of mysteries and the beauty of mysteries. And, and this is an example of that. So immaculate conception. So what are some ways we can celebrate this month? Well, I'm going to link to a prayer for a litany of the immaculate conception. And there are some great books out there, um, not necessarily on the Immaculate Conception, but on St. Bernadette, um, who, you know, kind of um, was able to reveal this to us through the visions that she had of Mary. So St. Bernadette, there's a book, um, Bernadette, the Little Girl from Lourdes. There's the Bernadette, Our Lady's Little Servants, which is a chapter book. So I will link to those. And also a great book to read this month is a book called Angel in the Waters. And it's the story about a baby in utero and this angel that comes and they, he kind of has conversations with angels. So as we're talking about this, you know, conception and life before birth, this is kind of a neat tie-in to this month is to be thinking about um, life before birth. So there's a couple of great movies about Bernadette if you want to learn more about uh, kind of this whole story and, and Obviously, you're going to hear about the Immaculate Conception throughout the movie because it's a big part of it. So, Song of Bernadette from 1943, such a good movie. If you have never seen that, you have got to see that. And then there's also the kid version, Bernadette, the Princess of Lords, which is um, one of those CCC movies. I don't know if you watched those as a kid. I certainly did. I remember in what we called CCD watching those. So I think both of those are on formed.org and I think even the Song of Bernadette might be on Amazon for free as well. So check those out, two great movies to watch at some point this month. An activity for this month that would be fun is here in the United States in Washington, DC, we have the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. So you can hop online and take a virtual tour if you've never been able to visit there. It's one of the most beautiful churches I have ever been to, especially down below in the crypt. It's just unbelievable how gorgeous it is. So I will link to that so you could do a little virtual tour of that. And also there's a 3D puzzle of the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. So I'll link to that as well. It's kind of fun. We have built it before it's... Um, just out of like cardstock, but it's a little 3D puzzle that you can put together of that basilica. So there you go. And finally, food. 
um, especially on the feast day, really just incorporating any Marion colored foods. So blue and white foods. So blueberry muffins is usually one of our go-tos because they're blue and white and that's easy. You could also dye pancakes blue or use blue and white frosting for a cake or something simple to pull off just to celebrate a solemnity. But it is a solemnity and there are not many of them. So make sure that you definitely do something on this day to commemorate the Immaculate Conception. Pope's monthly intention is up next, and his intention for this month is an evangelization intention, and it is in the service of the transmission of faith. So it is for those who are in the service of the transmission of faith, and the prayer says that people who are involved in the service and transmission of faith may find in their dialogue with culture a language suited to the conditions of the present time. So basically he's asking us this month to pray for those who evangelize, um, which includes those who evangelize for a job. So maybe that's a Catholic speaker or author or a DRE at a parish or a catechist at a parish, somebody who that's their full time. That's what they do. Maybe somewhere in the new media, they're doing that. It's also for those who are volunteering, our RCIA teachers, our faith formation teachers, just those amazing people at our parish who are passing on the faith. And in a sense, this is also for all of us, a prayer for all of us, because of the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, which is what Jesus commanded of us as uh, before he ascended. Uh, it's really for all of us. All of us should be in the service of transmitting the faith. All of us should be evangelizing in our own sphere and in our own world. So it's really a prayer that we can be praying, an intention we can be praying um, in a particular way for those who that is, you know, their their distinct call, their their little V vocation call, but also for all of us. So some actions to take this month, um, as always, you can write that intention down on a chalkboard, a dry erase board, letter board, whatever, and place it in a prayer space. Um, I also would encourage you this month an action you could take would be to write a note to your DRE or your parish catechist or somebody who maybe has been formative in your own faith formation and just let them know that you're praying for them and for the work that they have been called to and and thank them for what they do. Um, A lot of our parish workers are not (laughs) rolling in the big bucks um, and they've made a lot of sacrifices to, to do what they do for the sake of making sure the faith is getting passed on. So please say thank you to them. And the last action that I would challenge you to is to read a book called Called. It's a book that Kevin recently wrote. I got to put a plug in there for it because it is a book all on helping us be convicted and have the confidence uh, to know that we are called to evangelize. Um, It's a lot like our last book that we wrote together, Dating Detox, where it is a day-by-day book and you're reading one chapter a day with um, some challenge and reflection for you. Uh, and it's just all in evangelization. And I would really challenge you, this would be a great time this month as you're praying for those who are in service of transmitting the faith to pray for the Lord to convict you of your call to evangelize, which I know can be kind of scary, but Kevin's book helps make it a little less scary. So there you have it, Pope's Intention. All right. Now, before we dive into our uh, feast days, I do want to point out, obviously, the month of December also encompasses, for the most part, Advent. We will be in the season of Advent here. So I'm not going to be talking about Advent on this episode because 
that's its own episode. <laughs> so um, I will link to, we do have an episode on Abbott. It doesn't look like the liturgical lowdowns because it is from season one, episode two, which is like really our first real episode because the first first episode was more like, hey, we've started a podcast. And this was the first episode where we actually had like a format and things. So um, you can check that out. We give some tips for living Advent well. And um, so I'm going to direct you to that. Maybe one day I'll do more of a kind of clean, like, you know, step-by-step like I do with these liturgical lowdowns for the season of Advent. But for now, I'm going to pass you to that episode. And then also a couple other episodes uh, would be how-to gifts. That's season three, episode two. In that episode, we talk about giving gifts, and then we give a massive list of Catholic gift ideas. So if you want to incorporate the faith into your gifts this year, it's just an easy, fun listen that has a lot of ideas for gift giving. And then the last one would be how to Christmas break. We did an episode on that season one, episode five. So also one of the newbie ones, I hope when you listen to it, okay, both, both the how to Advent and how to Christmas break. If you listen to them, keep in mind, like these were the early years of podcasting. I think we have improved. I think we have gotten better with the way that we podcast. I hope at least so over time. So anyways, how do Christmas break would be another, um, another option. We do talk about Christmas in there. Um, but just kind of the, the fact that most of us get at least somewhat of a break during that time is noted. So, all right. And, oh, one more precursor here is just to know also that Sunday, December 2nd this year, so this is for 2018, is the start of the liturgical new year. So we will be starting cycle C, which is really exciting. And if you're really cool, you can ring in the liturgical new year on Saturday, December 1st, stay up till midnight, ring in the liturgical new year, the start of cycle C. It's just a dream of mine to do that one day. And I don't I don't know why we've never done it, but you should, because that would be a really fun way to celebrate the liturgical year. All right, here we go. Feast for this month. Feast for this month. We're going to start with December 6th, which is the Feast of St. Nicholas, which is an optional memorial. And that's kind of funny because it's probably the most celebrated feast day after Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day, which are kind of our secularized feast days. And I can remember as a kid, this is one of the few feast days that we actively celebrated at school. We'd put our shoes out and get a candy cane or gold coins or something, right? So perhaps you've done that as well. So who is St. Nicholas? Well, we all know he's our modern day Santa Claus. And St. Nicholas is the patron of children. And um, his history is he was a real person, obviously. He was a bishop in Greece in the fourth century. And he is kind of famous, or, or his story goes that he secretly gave money to this poor family so their daughters would have a dowry so they could get married and not be poor. So, you know, the story, he throws the sacks of gold coins into the window and they go into the stockings that are hanging by the fire. And that's why we have the tradition of Christmas stockings. So probably familiar with that one. So St. Nicholas, um, some prayers I'm going to send you to, there is a whole website. It's stnicholascenter.org and that's St. Just S-T, nicholascenter.org. And it's all kinds of stuff about St. Nicholas, ways to celebrate the feast day, ways to um, pray in particular right here. That's that's the one I'm going to link you to is there's a whole page of prayers for children through the intercession of St. Nicholas and different kinds of blessings and things. 
for activities, obviously, we all know this one, filling up your shoes. We leave our shoes by the door and St. Nicholas comes. And in our house, I don't know why, but I started the tradition of instead of filling up my kids' shoes, we actually do our stockings. We fill up our stockings and that's when they get hung up by the mantle is on St. Nicholas's feet day. I don't know. I think maybe it has something to do with it. I remember as a kid always being like, there's candy in my shoes and now I'm going to eat it. That's weird. So there's something more sanitary about stockings apparently. I don't know, but that's what we do. So some kind of traditional things you could put in a stocking would be chocolate coins, which you can buy around this time, usually even at grocery stores. Oranges. Oranges are another traditional one. Um, They're traditional because they represent like golden balls. Some people say, well, what St. Nicholas put in the stockings would have been golden balls. So some people will put an orange. You can also get chocolate oranges and just combine those two. Um, You could put in a little holy card of St. Nick. Candy canes are another traditional thing. Uh, They're related to St. Nicholas and Christmas, and it just, it all wraps together. Uh, St. Nicholas was a bishop, so it's in the shape of a shepherd's staff um, as the bishop who shepherds his flock or his people in his diocese. So so there you go. Some fun things for St. Nicholas's feast day. There's lots of great books. I'm going to link to a couple of them in the show notes, Um, some children's books, some of my favorites, and there's also some movies. There's Nicholas, the boy who came Santa, boy who became Santa, which is on forms.org. That's another CCC one, like the Bernadette one. And then there's a Veggie Tales on St. Nicholas, uh, St. Nicholas, a story of joyful giving. And there's actually a nun in that one. So that's kind of fun. Uh, a nun Veggie Tale. I don't remember what vegetable she is, but she's in there. So I will link to that as well. It is a, it is a pretty decent version of explaining Santa Claus through St. Nicholas. So there you go. All right. And then food and crafts. Um, so I'm going to link to the pages on the St. Nicholas Center because really they cover it all. There's really no point of my trying to reinvent the wheel on this one. So tons of recipes over there. Uh, one recipe in particular I will link to that's not on the St. Nicholas Center is a candy cane cherry cheese coffee cake that we make on the Feast of St. Nicholas. Um, we do that with hot chocolate on St. Nicholas's feast day in the morning. So I'm going to link to that because that's a fun, easy recipe that we have a tradition in our family of. So I'll make sure to share that with you. Um, and then crafts, I will link also to St. Nicholas Center. They have a whole page of crafts that you can do for St. Nicholas's feast day. Really any Santa craft is what you can do. So just, just give him a miter and, and he's set to go. All right. Next feast day for deep dives here. Uh, It's actually two feast days that go in tandem. December 9th is the optional memorial of St. Juan Diego. And then December 12th is Our Lady of Guadalupe. So those two obviously go together because Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared to Juan Diego. And those two dates are chosen because it was December 9th, 1531, that Mary appeared to Juan Diego, who was an Indian convert, a native convert in Mexico. Um, it's the first time she appeared to him, she sent him away, asking him to, you know, go and tell the bishop that she wanted a church built. Um, then the second time he came back to her was then December 12th. And so then that's the day that we celebrate the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So that's why those two dates that are a couple days apart. Um, so she, um, you know, her story, she, Our Lady Guadalupe, you probably have seen the image before, right? It's, it was left on the Tilma of Juan Diego. This, this beautiful portrait of herself that really, when scientists have studied it, they can't explain why it hasn't deteriorated. They can't explain how the painting got there. There's not, 
like a technique that they know of for something like that. So the, the image itself is miraculous, um, and it is kept in the shrine um, that has been built to her in her honor in the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is just outside of Mexico City. So Our Lady of Guadalupe um, obviously is is a huge devotion, especially in Central America, Latin America, um, and Mexico. In 1910, Our Lady Guadalupe was declared the patroness of Latin America. And then in 1945, Pope Pius XII declared her to be the empress of all the Americas, which I don't know what the difference between a patroness and an empress, but it sounds like an empress An empress is even cooler. So, so here in the United States, in North America and South America, um, Our Lady Guadalupe is our empress, which is, you know, that kind of sounds cool. So it's great, great feast day to celebrate prayers. I'm going to send you over to a page that's got a bunch of different prayers through the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe. There are so many great books on Our Lady of Guadalupe. I'm going to link to a couple of those, including a brand new board book called Guadalupe First Words, and it has English and Spanish, and it's just really cute for babies. We have that on hold at the library. I need to go pick that one up. So I'll link to some books. And then um, oh, there's also another one that just came out. It's a graphic novel, Our Lady Guadalupe graphic novel. That's pretty cool. So um, audio, there is a St. Juan Diego Glory story, which is an audio dramatization for kids. I will link to that. And then there's Juan Diego, Messenger of Guadalupe, which is another CCC video. They, like, covered all of the December feast days for some reason. So that's on formed.org. If your parish has a subscription to formed.org, if you're like, I don't know what that is, just look up formed.org and you'll figure it out. It's basically Netflix for Catholics. So, um, I, sorry, I talk about it on every episode. So sometimes I forget to mention if you are listening for the first time, and you don't know what that is. Okay. Other video, um, that you can get on Amazon Prime and Form.org is called Guadalupe, The Miracle and the Message. It was produced a couple years ago by the Knights of Columbus. It's about an hour-long narrative by Jim Caviezel, a great watch for one of these two feast days uh, to learn more about Our Lady Guadalupe and her message and her story. Um, let see, crafts. There are some really great crafts you can purchase for Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, particularly put out by a company called Illuminated Inc. I will link to three of their products. They have an Our Lady Guadalupe cut and color, um, like 3D model that you can make. They have a Garado kit where you can make like a little Garado to Our Lady Guadalupe with rocks and um, an image and popsicle sticks. And then they have a rosary holder kit as well. So those are some great crafts that are like hardy and legitimate and you could actually like keep on hang up in your house or something so that and then lastly I'm going to link to just because it's fun an Our Lady of Guadalupe perler bead pattern from Catholic Playground so you can print that off if you have perler beads and you can make an Our Lady of Guadalupe out of perler beads that's kind of cool all right so for food for these two feast days of course this is a great day to eat Mexican food and celebrate and have a fiesta, um, which is really the activity for the day, um, would be to have a party. Um, this is a great day to have a party during Advent. Um, if you want to go Mexico City style, which I'm sure you can imagine, since the shrine is right outside of Mexico City, the partying there is amazing. Um, I've never been, but 
from what I understand, they start at midnight with dancing and it just pretty much goes all day long. And it's just a great day of festivities and food and music and they do processions. Um, and you see this in other parts of, of the Americas as well. Um, I know here in the United States, uh, several of our parishes have big feasts for Our Lady Guadalupe or they'll do a procession and process the statue of Our Lady Gu Guadalupe around um, the neighborhood. So, so look around. There's probably likely somewhere where you could go and and partake in a great party for Our Lady Guadalupe. You can crash the parish party or you could just have your own parish party or party at your house, whatever you want to do. So great day to celebrate. All right, next on December 13th, we have the Feast of St. Lucy, which is a memorial. St. Lucy lived um, uh, 283, I think is when she was born, and it was during the Diocletian persecution. So this is before Constantine has legalized Christianity. A lot of persecution going on. So she um, was born to Christian parents, and um, they were they were noble. And so um, when she, I guess, received her dowry or something, I don't know exactly, but she distributed her wealth. She distributed her wealth to the poor, and she made a vow of virginity. But this is kind of a problem because she had already been betrothed to this guy, and she didn't want to be betrothed to him. She wanted to be a virgin. She wanted to live a life of poverty. But um, he was kind of upset about this decision that she made. So he thought that he would kind of violate her. And um, Lucy refused. And miraculously, um, he wasn't able to, to harm her at that time. But later, she was executed by a sword. So um, that's the story of St. Lucy. So <laughs> Lucy means light. And this is a really appropriate, I think, theme for a feast in December with Advent as we await the light of the world to come. So this is one of the days um, where we make sure that we light the Christmas tree and it's another special feast day during Advent. Um, and uh, perhaps you're familiar, again, the December feast days are, are some more of the familiar traditions um, with uh, some of the traditions that come from the Nordic countries, and in particular Sweden. Sweden's kind of where they are best known and loved, and it's there that they have the time-honored tradition of the oldest girl in the family um, puts on a white dress with a crimson, like a red sash and red stockings, and she wears the wreath around her head with a crown of lighted candles. Um, I think now they probably use battery-operated candles because, you know, Putting candles on someone's head could be kind of dangerous. But at dawn, she wakes up the members of her family with steaming hot drinks like coffee or cocoa and these um, like saffron buns or other kinds of sweet breads. And she's, she brings these to her family, kind of an imitation of St. Lucy who um, served and gave away and, and served to the poor. So then she, the oldest daughter, is serving her family in that way. So maybe you could hear that baby squeal. I'm not quite sure, but <laughs> it's so great. All right, so some prayers. I'm going to link to a prayer in honor of St. Lucy. And there's a couple of great books out there, as I'm sure you can imagine, um, just with, you know, sweet little fiction stories about families celebrating the Feast of St. Lucy. There's Hannah's Christmas, um, Lucia Morning in Sweden, um, there's also, oh, Kristen's Surprise, the American Girl Dog. There's a whole uh, chapter book on Kristen, who's Swedish, I'm pretty sure, 
living in Minnesota, I think. And she, you know, the story of their celebrating St. Lucy's Day. So I will link to that as well as a couple other books. Um, and then the traditional foods would be these um, these St. Lucy buns, the saffron buns, um, and, and the breads, the braided bread um, is also a real traditional one that you'll see. Um, so I'm going to link to um, the traditional recipes for those. And then I'm also going to link to a post from my old mommy blog, Catholic Missionary Family. And I will link there because what I do over here is we make ours just using like Pillsbury Doughboy type rolls. I make a braided bread out of the um, out of the cinnamon rolls, and then I just take like their regular bread recipe and shape them like saffron buns. But I don't actually make saffron buns because saffron's really hard to come by and really expensive. So we kind of do a very non-traditional version, but they look like the real things in a very loose sense. So I will link to the simple way to do it and the complicated way. And if you'd like to do that, you can, um, you can do it however you want. So yeah, there's also some cute pictures of my oldest daughter. Um, we, this is a tradition we do at our house, um, uh, making her, her little debut into the waking up her brother and dad and such. So it's fun. All right. And the craft I'm going to link to is uh, just a place to make a paper St. Lucie crown. So like I said, there's the wreath with the with the candles, but we just make ours out of paper because, you know, it's simple. You can also purchase some. Maybe I'll link also to some places where you can purchase some more hardy ones that aren't going to light your kid's head on fire. All right, so that brings us to our, our final feast here, December 25th, which is Christmas, which is a solemnity. Obviously, Christmas is the day Jesus was born. That's what we're celebrating. And I'm not going to really talk about Christmas on this episode because Christmas itself is its own season, just like Advent is its own season. So technically, the Christmas season runs from um, like Christmas Eve, like the Christmas Eve service, if you go to Christmas Eve service, so like dawn or, you know, when it gets dark on Christmas Eve to uh, this year, Sunday, January 13th. So it goes all the way until the baptism of our Lord, um, which is a couple Sundays after Christmas. So um, there's a whole season there and there's a lot of tradition and a lot of things going on during that time. So I think what I'm going to do is just do a whole episode on Christmas and Kevin and I'll probably do that one together, um, sometime before Christmas, just talking about how do we celebrate the liturgical season of Christmas? What are the traditions behind that? The histories, the stories, links to fun stuff to do, all that kind of stuff. So you can look forward to that. All right. Other celebrations this month would include on December 3rd, St. Francis Xavier, his memorial. Uh, he was a Spanish missionary, uh, buddies with Ignatius, St. Ignatius and St. Peter Fabier. And uh, those three are the traditional founders of the Jesuits. Um, and St. Francis Xavier was a missionary to Asia. In fact, he um, died trying to get to China so he could spread the gospel. So that's Francis Xavier on the third. On the seventh is the memorial of St. Ambrose. And um, St. Ambrose was buddies with St. Augustine. In fact, he had a huge role in the conversion of St. Augustine. And his story is kind of interesting. While he was still a catechumen, so while he was like 
going through the RCIA of the time, they needed a new bishop and they actually appointed him bishop. He's like, I'm not even Catholic yet. And they said, yeah, we don't care. You're going to become bishop. So he became bishop on December 7th in the year 374. So that's why his feast day is on December 7th. Um, also of note about St. Ambrose is he was often called the honey-tongued doctor. So he was very elegant, eloquent, unlike me, eloquent in his speech. And there's this legend that when he was a baby, a swarm of bees settled in his mouth. And that indicated that one day he was going to be this great orator. And, um, yeah, there's kind of a play on words there because honey in Latin is ambrosia and he's St. Ambrose. And so, uh, on this day, just a simple fun way to celebrate is anything with bees or honey is a great way to, um, or even candle making, I guess you could make candles in honor of St. Ambrose on this feast day. So there you go. A couple ideas. On the 14th is the feast of, sorry, Memorial, Memorial of St. John of the Cross, who lived from 1542 to 1591 in Spain. And he was buddies with Teresa of Avila and, uh, she kind of, helped reform the female branch of the Carmelites, and he helped reform the male branch of the Carmelites in Spain. Um, and you'll notice, like, I like to point out who was friends with who, because I think it's really interesting just to remember, like, saints come in clusters. Like, we help each other become holy, and you see that with the saints. Usually where you find one saint, you find another. Usually they knew somebody or were friends with somebody who is also a saint. So modern-day version of that would be, like, JP2 and Blessed Mother Teresa. Like, they were buds. And they're both saints now. So find some holy friends. That's that's what I'm saying. All right, so these two um, reformed the Carmelites. And um, he is most known for um, two of his really great spiritual works, The Ascent of Mount Carmel and Dark Night of the Soul. And you can get both of those online at CCEL, um, which is a place, a site where they post Christian classic works. And you can um, read those, download those for free. So I'll link to that. On the 26th is the Feast of St. Stephen, who was one of the first ordained deacons of the church, and he was the first Christian martyr. So you can read his account in Acts 7, 54 to 60. Um, so a great day to read his story. And then on the 27th is the Feast of St. John the Apostle, um, who was the beloved disciple, uh, younger brother of James. Um, and he... James, Peter, James, and John were kind of in Jesus's like inner, inner circle. So they were the ones who were there at the transfiguration, for example. They were the ones who went with him to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, and John's the one who was given Mary at the foot of the cross. And uh, Jesus said, you know, John, this is, this is not your mom. I'm giving her to you and to the world for you to take care of. Um, and he's the one who wrote the gospel of John. So we actually know quite a bit about John for, for him being an uh, apostle, um, a disciple, um, and, um, he's the only one, uh, of the 12 that was not martyred, um, to our knowledge. So it's believed that he was, he was not martyred, which is kind of interesting. And finally on the 28th is the, um, feast of holy innocence. And this is the day where we remember all the baby boys who were aged two and under who were murdered by Herod, um, because Herod was livid about the fact that there was this new king coming on the horizon, and so he wanted to try to kill the king, so he just said, every baby boy, kill them all. Um, that story is told in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 18. 
And if I'm being honest, this is probably my least favorite feast day of the year because we've just had Christmas and that's the last thing I want to think about is mothers having their children ripped from them and murdered. Um, but the church is really trying to remind us, um, you know, from the, from the beginning there that um, mixed with joy is also suffering. And we're going to see that in Jesus's life. So there you have it. Um, oh, kind of the last one of note. This is a tough one because it's a movable feast. It's one of the 12 movable feasts where it depends on the liturgical year. That depends on when it falls. But it's the Feast of the Holy Family. Um, and this feast is always celebrated on the Sunday within the octave of Christmas. So the first eight days after Christmas are the octave. I'll talk about this more on the Christmas podcast, but from the 25th through the first, those eight days um, and the Sunday that falls between those is the, uh, feast of the Holy family. So that day when we're celebrating the Holy family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So this year in 2018, it's going to fall on December 30th. All right, there you go. That's it for this liturgical lowdown. As always, the how to challenge here is to pick two things, just two, cause I gave you like 50. So pick two, two things that you can do to live the liturgical life in your home in a more deep and profound way this season so and and if you do do something fun um if you post it up on instagram let me know with uh using that hashtag how to catholic i love to see what you guys are up to all right for all the links to the ideas prayers resources books anything that i shared you can find them all in the show notes at made to magnify.com until next month be saints It's worth it.